Hello and welcome to Upcast, your Star Wars cartoon podcast. My name is Matt, and there is always a bigger fish. And my name's Jamie, and a pet I'm on would just slow me down. It's cheating if you take a quote from the thing we're reviewing today. Okay, sure. Well, I'm kidding. We'll we'll take it to the ruling council of Yubcast and uh, get their ruling. <laughs> I, so I'm I'm just on waiver right now. All right. Well, consider this your probationary period. We've had 50 episodes that we published together, so I think <laughs> I think neither of us can be removed. So. So as Jamie indicated by his quote, today we are reviewing the Clone Wars movie, actually just the first half, because after we did the plot summary, we realized that a recording of a review of the movie would take hours, and we try to keep to our hour runtime, because your time is valuable. (laughs) I don't Um, think your time is valuable. You're listening to us. (laughs) If you're listening to us, you don't value your own time. That's really on you. (laughs) Normally we would ask each other what we did for Star Wars this week, but we do have a huge, huge review today, and so we're just going to do a couple of news items at the top, because I want to hear Jamie's opinion about the leak concerning Bad Batch having a time jump between Season 1 and Season 2. Supposedly it's significant. We don't know this for sure. We don't even know when Bad Batch is coming out, but what do you think about a time jump between Season 1 and Season 2? fine by me it makes it more interesting well no not exactly because i'm in that like what the hell happened to millions of clones i want i was hoping bad batch would answer that but maybe they won't be so i'm i'm excited unless they the the only thing that would like tick me off like where i'd be disappointed was like if they're just like canceling it or they're saying that oh they're they, they're starting like a dance troupe or something like that so and and even then, I would probably still watch it. But the Bad Batch was just a, a like a dance troupe or doing like poetry slams in, in the uh, outer rim. So it could be the traveling gendas. <laughs> That's yeah. an Ewoks reference, everybody. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Maybe maybe you find out that uh, Crosshair died on Scarif. Who knows? I oh, bet. I... Wow. Yeah. So so my my thinking is very close to your thinking on this. The season one ended not exactly with a cliffhanger. They left Crosshair on. I just blanked. Camino. Yeah. Sorry. Wow. They left Crosshair on Camino and flew away, but everything else was basically resolved, right? You had that sort of coda where you sh- where you showed Lama Sue being turned over to the Imperial cloning facility built into that mountain, but there's really no reason to pick up the story right there. So yeah, I'm on board with a time jump if they want to do it. I actually Mm -hmm. wished there was more time between the sequel trilogy movies. Two of them were Mm back-to-back. Then the next one was a couple years later, but I really like the idea that you have like this space between series and movies where you can fill it in with with a little information. Yeah, little novels and comics and shit that's where that's where all that stuff used to live yeah that's that's where all the good like that's where all like the really good stuff is where it it, if they if they fumble the ball on some story stuff there's always books comics even games that that, that can just kind of like pick up the slack and you're like oh okay that makes sense but again we're apologists so if they just told us that uh crosshair died on the way back to his home planet we'd be like oh Okay, that makes sense. If we never see Crosshair again, 
I do hope I do hope we do see Crosshair again. We don't know the the length of that time jump, so I think it wouldn't. I hope it's not like 18 years and it's Battle of Scarif era. But I'm I'm hoping it's like four or five years, right, or three years. That would be the time between like A New Hope and Empire was about three years. Yeah. So you'd see a slightly older Omega. You'd see clones probably out of their fucking the Bad Batch out of their clone uniforms, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and see what see how they've adapted. Yeah, yeah, because that's actually that would be good material that hasn't really been covered in in anything other than books is that early Empire stuff. Pre A New Hope, when the Empire is still fairly young, they're phasing out the the, the clone troopers. They're they're starting to build Tie Fighters instead of like using like old like oh uh, shoot the not the the V wings and Darth Vader still has like a Jedi Starfighter that's just black. Just that that right. era, that where they're still in that transition era of like getting all new all new stuff, but still using like old Republic stuff as well. So I, I, there's one other one other piece of animation news, and there's not a whole lot we can speculate about it, but we are the Star Wars Cartoon Podcast, so we need to talk about it. Kevin Kiner, the music composer, said he's composing music for a whole new animated series, and it's full orchestral scores for every episode, and he described it as a very special project. So what would you like it to be? That's my question to you. I have my opinion, but I want to I want to hear what you think would make for good animation. What I think, or like what? Well, there's a difference between what I would really want and what, because I, I I think it's safe to say that pretty much the only thing that's not touchable is anything past Ray seeing the ghosts of Luke and Leia and say, calling herself Ray Skywalker. I think they're not going to let anybody touch any of that stuff for a while so what i would like to see is maybe something like in between like probably in between eight and nine really shore up leia's abilities in the force Ooh, Uh, i hadn't considered that or that's really good or like like a luke and luke and ben show that we've talked about preferred live action on that but i'll take whatever yeah because but with the with the leia thing like um, we've talked about before they're always good in the cartoons, books, comics are always good at kind of like, well, they drop the ball on something, so then they sh- they kind of like shore up the story. Like the, like I, you and I both liked the Last Jedi. It definitely had its faults, but it I thought it was a great, great movie. But there were some yeah. things that are just kind of like, huh? I don't why the 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 novelization was great because it talked about. It talked about like the first order hierarchy. It had chapters like in the like in the point of view of a first order officer. So you get to, you get a little glimpse into like how the first order is actually run. Like where where why is Hux in charge and not like the all these other veterans? So something that could kind of like like make the the, the Leia is not Leia is now a Jedi Master to Rey and episode nine and her being able to kind of do the mary poppins walk in episode eight where you watch that and it's like oh yeah of course because she did x y and z with luke why wouldn't she be able to like float in space i would love i would love that idea that's not something i'd considered i was hoping that this was like the luke jedi academy show i would take that as animation as well but i i am 
now my mind is sort of swimming with the possibility of a Leia show, and I want it. Yeah, it's it, a she's a she's a character that I never thought got enough, and I and Carrie Fisher's death really robbed. It was just so unexpected and really robbed everybody of that perfect exploration that she was supposed to get in the sequel trilogy. Mm-hmm. But I hope I hope we can get it somehow now, and it would be perfect. Yeah. Other than that, I could like talk forever about things that I would want to see. But if they're saying it's something super special, I would think that it would. It wouldn't just be some sort of like. It wouldn't be something that like would be like, hey, it's Star Wars. No, it had to be something like that would really like people would just be like salivating over like that. Can it's not be, Bad Batch, right? Yeah. Which is, which is a good show, and we we like and appreciate it. But it's esoteric in like Star Wars. Mm-hmm. It's it's the existence like a a show an A-team show about a defect, like a defective clone unit is not something that people are champing at the bit for. You're right. It has to be some saga-connected thing that feeds into the nine-movie thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's got to contain one, one of the major characters. And it'll pull at the heartstrings, probably. Hopefully. All right, so... We've got a big task ahead of us today, so we'll obviously monitor both of those stories and talk about it more later, but today we should really dive into this movie. Yeah. We're not going to go over the production of the movie today, we're just going to dive right into the plot and we're going to follow it up next week with the back half and we'll do all the production and box office and everything and the and the cast and, and stuff. We just ran out of time researching and we have a huge, huge plot to to drive through so are you ready to ready to dive right in let's do it all right so the format of this clone wars quote-unquote episode is a theatrical release and so we don't we we were missing a couple of the things that we were used to one of the things is like the the message at the very beginning which is sort of the moral of the episode which we've talked about in the last couple of recordings it's just not there this time it just starts out like a Star Wars movie a long time ago. Yeah. I, I did like how it started though, with like before it even showed the, the title. It had it was playing like radio chatter. Yep. Oh, I didn't put that in the notes, but I'm glad you brought it up. It was it's like like helmet chatter about battles. Mm-hmm. People calling for reinforcements, people saying they're being overrun, that they're they're falling back. It's very, very good. It's very cinematic. Mm-hmm. All right, so so we start out not with a crawl. This is different from movie, but but like Clone Wars, we don't start with a crawl. We just start with the summary and the announcer talking. And the the summary says the separatist tactics are to seize hyperspace lanes all over the galaxy. There are battles. We see Plo Koon. We see Anakin and Obi Wan. And then we see a like octopus-looking droid fly down onto Tatooine and attack a sail barge. And the narrator is telling us that Jabba's son has been kidnapped, and Jabba is requesting help. So we see like a hologram of Jabba talking to Palpatine and some Jedi, including Mace Windu, in Palpatine's office. Palpatine orders the Jedi to rescue Jabba's son, Throughout the notes, I called him a baby hut, but because his name is never mentioned in the show, as far as I know, but his name is Rhoda. Mm-hmm. Rhoda the Hut. 
Mace Windu protests that he doesn't like helping the huts, and Palpatine reminds him that they need the Outer Rim training lanes to move their troops and supplies, and this is an opportunity to earn Jabba's cooperation. It is, from the jump, not a good deal for the for the Republic or the Jedi. Windu says that they're spread too thin and only Anakin and Obi-Wan are free to assist with this request, and Palpatine says they should be contacted immediately. So, on a cruiser, Yularen tells them that they, he cannot reach Kenobi. He thinks that they might have reset their communications. And Yoda says they're sending a messenger with special orders. Yularen commits to take an empty ship. He's at some, like, like station getting supplies. He'll take an empty ship to deliver the message and then return later with reinforcements. So, we're watching these in, in the in-universe chronological order. So... This is still a battle of Christopsis, so Obi-Wan and Anakin are on Christopsis. And we cut there, and the battle does not go well. They are, they've clearly lost control of the planet, and they're in a huge battle. There are battalions of droids pushing up on their position. Anakin and some, Anakin and some clones led by Rex jump down and attack the column of droids. Anakin is sort of, he jumps down on one of these tri-droids, that we saw in the last episode, and he's getting them to sort of shoot each other to draw their fire. And other clones are charging into the droids. This is a very chaotic but satisfying battle scene. Oh yeah, definitely. It's it's really, really well shot. Anakin is jumping from the different tri-droids, and he, he destroys, destroys them all, and the clones hold back the columns, and then the heavy cannons that they said in the previous episode that had survived... The betrayal from Slick, they're using these heavy cannons to sort of repel these lines of droids. Anakin reminds Obi-Wan that they need reinforcements, but Obi-Wan still says they still can't reach the Admiral on the phone. Uh, the advance of droids stop, and they decide to retreat because of the heavy cannons. So there's, there's this nice little bit of continuity between the Slick episode and the movie, the beginning of the movie here. Oh, yeah, for certain. This is what I'm going to point out these continuities, especially for these mini arcs, because watching them in this order, it it really shows how much thought they gave to the, these plots. Mm-hmm. So the battle's over for now. A small shuttle lands, and Obi-Wan and Anakin are excited because they think their supplies and reinforcements have arrived. Obi-Wan says... Maybe his new Padawan is there, too. Anakin and Obi-Wan have a brief discussion about whether or not it's a good idea to have a Padawan. It's like, is this is like mail-order Padawans, like mail-order Russian brides. Yeah, it's, it's, a weird, it's a weird statement that he makes. It's like, maybe my new Padawan's here, too. <laughs> Anakin and Obi-Wan have this discussion about whether or not it's a good idea to have a Padawan, and then Anakin says he doesn't want a Padawan. It would just slow him down. Which is your quote. And the shuttle opens up and Ahsoka Tana walks out. She tells Anakin and Obi-Wan that they have to get back to the Jedi Temple on Coruscant. And Anakin and Obi-Wan explain that they obviously can't leave because they're losing this battle. And so then she suggests... They tell him all about their communication problems. Because that that blockade from Cat and Mouse is still happening, apparently. Mm -hmm. They're just on the other side of it. 
they cut to the orbit, and Yularen's cruiser is getting the shit beat out of it. It's crazy. It's another one of these wonderful battle sequences where you're seeing a ton of damage. They connect to the Jedi Temple. Obi-Wan tells Yoda that they're overwhelmed and cut off, and they're losing. And so Yoda says he'll send reinforcements, but the message is garbled, but you do get that much. And then the cruiser gets out of there before it's destroyed. And if Yularen dies in Clone Wars, it creates a continuity error. Yeah. So he's <laughs> so got plot can't. armor. <laughs> yeah, so he can't. So everything's, everything's paused. They're basically waiting for reinforcements now. Ahsoka and Obi-Wan do introductions, and Ahsoka tells Obi-Wan that she's actually been assigned to Anakin, not Obi-Wan. And Anakin is obviously distressed by this. But they're once again, they're cut off, and there's no way for them to argue with anybody. Then we see Ventress talking with a holographic Dooku. We don't know where Ventress is, but she's obviously not on Christopsis. She's saying she has brought Jabba's son to the, to a monastery. Dooku's very pleased by this. Sidious shows up on the hologram and says that the Republic will soon be at war with the Huts as well as the Separatists. There's a wonderful little piece of acting detail here by Ventress where she kneels right when Sidious walks into the holographic frame. No, you're right. And and she like like she's talking with Dooku and then when Sidious walks in, she immediately kneels and there's like this nice musical cue with like a really low bass note when he comes into view. So she has like this reverence for him that she has back on Christopsis. We're going to get back to Ventress in a minute. Back on Christopsis, Anakin and Ahsoka are arguing. She calls him Sky Guy. And he tells her not to get snippy. This is because these become their nicknames for each other, Snips and Sky Guy. Anakin and Rex keep calling her Youngling, and she keeps correcting them. And Rex is showing her around like their encampment. Ahsoka has this nice little exchange with Rex where she asks if she outranks him. And Rex responds that experience counts more than rank. And at this moment, they see the energy shield. So the droids have retreated and have created this energy shield sort of a la Phantom Menace with those big dinosaurs that Gungans used. And now the droid army is sort of advancing under the protection of this energy shield. I guess getting so used to watching like the later seasons and like Rebels and then not even like the Mandalorian you forget like when she's first introduced she is super young. She's like wearing like a tube top and just like a mini skirt. She's just and she just looks super young. She's got super big eyes. Just looks like a like uh, not like a baby, but just she they they designed her to look extremely young. The fact that she's young is a plot point for this episode. And yeah, she's designed to be incredibly young. There's actually a controversy circulating in like Star Wars Twitter a couple months ago about the original design of Ahsoka not having like a tube top and a short skirt and how it was someone it was either Lucas or someone close to Lucas saying like no she needs to be like just like a, like a little teenage girl and like gave her like this tube top and, and short skirt and it's like like okay that doesn't feel great but I think it works for the character it, it makes her seem less mature for sure yeah, she has, and she has pictures of it local the local Coruscant boy band uh, on her trapper keeper. Yeah, she's got beaver fever. <laughs> so at a tactical meeting, they're debating what to do about the energy shield. Ahsoka asks, why don't why don't they just destroy the shield generator? 
and then Anakin roughly agrees with her, but she's obviously speaking from a place of naivete, right? Mm-hmm. And and Anakin is speaking from a place of bravado. So so it's obvious that they're going to make a good pair even early on. So this becomes the plan. The two of them are going to peel off and try to destroy the droid shield generator and everyone else is going to hold off the army as long as possible. So now we cut back to a different planet and I'm going to say this planet is called Teth. Now. <laughs> Sorry. You can yeah. cut that out. That's We'll put the drop in. <laughs> yes. John Teth, the planet John Teth. So two scouts have found the hut child in a monastery on Teth. Windu tells them to monitor the situation and stay out of sight. The design of these two scouts, uh, amazing. Yeah. Do you want to talk about this at all? Yeah, we, you see them, or one similar to them in Revenge of the Sith, but just like, they're, they're like some of the only clones whose like uniforms make sense. Yes. Because <laughs> like we talked about our very first, was it our very first episode? talked about like why is why on battle of endor didn't they spray paint c-3po like black or just like give him some like tiger stripes or something subdue his colors like in the in the military like officers have like shiny ranks but in like when they're when they're wearing like their um like the acus or their the, the kind of the utility uniforms that they'll actually be like in combat in they'll have like subdued colors it silver will become black i think it's is it bronze or, or will become just like a darker brown Does, why would they not do that <laughs> here why why are they all wearing white why wouldn't they be wearing like why wouldn't they why wouldn't they be camo like why wouldn't they have like ghillie suits or, yeah so you know, these guys these guys definitely have camo armor and i really like i really like the introduction of these scouts because we don't get a whole lot of sense. I mean, we're going to get it in this series, but we don't get a whole lot of sense in the other material that there are specialized units. It's like there are arc troopers who are just heavily armed, and then there are like drones. But this this is like a scout unit, and they have like a special purpose. And like we sort of see it later with like Hunter and things. Like he, they have abilities and they're trained differently, and it's just incredible, like like the fact that these guys exist. Mm-hmm. It's more to that thing that we're talking about, like the individuality of them. They're not all the same. Some of them are better at certain things, and they have aptitudes, and and their their training and the military structure allows those differences to be accentuated. So, would you say, like, I just side note, like arc troopers? Would you consider them to be like? special forces or would they be just considered more like 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 army rangers where they're just they're better than normal infantry but they're still technically infantry i always thought them thought of them like that like army rangers they're not like special forces they're they're just more equipped but did you have a different sense of them no no I, that's that's about where i stood all right so yeah this is i think the, the existence existence of this unit is really exciting to me at least all right, so yeah, so now we're back on Christopsis. Ahsoka and Anakin are trying to figure out how to get past the lines. The heavy cannons aren't doing any damage to the shields. Anakin and Ahsoka decide that they're just going to hide under some debris and let the droid shield pass them. 
and this works <laughs> for the most part. It's a very primitive plan. Yeah, this reminds me a lot of, I don't know if you have or anybody in the, our listeners have ever played uh, Metal Gear, where you just like hide in a box and you can just like walk around in the box and you just like, you can do the first person where you just shows the little like slot in the box where you can, where you can, or, or it's the handle and you can just see through. Yeah. I've not played that game, but that's pretty funny. All right. So the shields pass over, pass them over. I'm sorry. The shield passes over Obi-Wan and the clones and they engage the army in a street flight. The clones keep having to fall back under the debris. Ahsoka and Anakin bump into a droid Aka, the roly poly droids my kids call them. Mm-hmm. Um, Anakin tells her to run, and the Droideka rolls up to try to catch up to them, and then they destroy it. It's another nice character-building moment for the two of them, although he says she's good at taking direction when she was arguing with him the entire time. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't quite, wasn't quite sure. The dialogue here is a little clunky, but they, they fall, fall into a nice rhythm. Back near the heavy cannons, away from Ahsoka and Anakin, the clones and Obi-Wan are taking heavy casualties. The Obi-Wan orders the clones back to protect the heavy cannons, and he will stay and hold off the droids alone. And when he... when the clones get clear, Obi-Wan decides to surrender to the Separatist army. And an alien named Warm Loathsome... That's a hell of a name. (laughs) (laughs) He's such a cool... He looks like a boar, almost... Yeah, like a, he's got like a big, big long jaw, and like a snout, like a boar. It's like they, you couldn't give me like we're the loathsomes. Couldn't I have like a nice first name? You had to name me Worm, basically. Worm loathsome. And yeah. just his yeah. name is War War Criminal. <laughs> <laughs> the that's and he's again with the con- continuity. Contin- continuity, he's shown briefly in the previous episode. In the hidden enemy, he he's shown like right when like Ventress uh, escapes. But oh yeah, You're right. Yeah, but and she says General Loathsome, and I remember thinking like, geez, they really just like just hit the like the nail on the head. Like the the bad guys have to have bad sounding names like Loathsome and Grievous or Sidious. It's like, why would you ever get? Why would you ever trust anybody with a name like that? Yeah, it's paint by numbers, right? Yeah. Yeah, like, oh, I, I've been assigned under General Loathsome. How is he to work with? About what you'd expect. <laughs> have you ever seen the Have you ever seen the skit, Are We the Baddies? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we might have even talked about it on the podcast. Yeah. Are we the baddies? Yeah, so it's, everyone look up the skit, Are We the Baddies? It's very, very good. So Anakin and Ahsoka arrive at the shield generator, and it's sort of in the middle of this weird field. It looks like a like a desert, almost. Ahsoka runs for the generator, but as she's running, she's sort of tripping, activating these droids that are underground, protecting it. They're, like, sensing where she's stepping, and these huge droids are popping out. And if, you're, if you didn't watch the episode and you don't know the droid outside of Maz's castle when you first see Maz's castle in episode seven that droid is one of these droids no kidding yeah i i completely missed that because i was gonna say i don't remember seeing those droids ever again 
Yeah, I'll send you a screenshot later, but it was in the trailer, too, for The Force Awakens, one of the trailers that came out, and I was super pleased. We actually have, the boys and I have a toy of one of those droids, and so it's very familiar to me. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I... Did you look it up? Yeah, I did. Hmm. Okay, yeah, okay, we can we can talk about it later. But it's, it's, like, it's a slight... It's a variation on this droid. Okay. But you also, you also see another one in... You see another one of these droids, or a version of it, in the episode where Death Watch takes Ahsoka prisoner and R2 repairs all the broken droids that they've been using for target practice. There's a there's one of these droids in that episode, too. I can't remember the name of the episode. But she's there with Lux. Oh, yeah, okay. All right. So they do show back up. So she accidentally sets off all these droids. Anakin tells her to ignore the droids and get to the shield generator and set the charges. She gets distracted momentarily and kills one of these droids, but the body rolls down onto the field and activates more droids and they have like this nice little exchange where Anakin yells at her about whose side is she really on and she apologizes and sets all the charges. Anakin is getting overwhelmed with all these droids and there's a structure looks like a bombed out building on the field and she Ahsoka turns around and says don't move and she pulls the the wall down onto Anakin and his body fits through like a window-sized hole in the wall, and it crushes all the droids. And he's very upset that she almost killed him, but she's very cavalier about it, saying she knows what she's doing. Mm-hmm. It's a wonderful, very funny moment. Yeah. Back with Obi-Wan and the clones, the clones are being overrun. They've retreated back to the heavy cannons to protect it, and there's this real sense that the battle's about to be lost, and then it comically cuts to Obi-Wan, who is drinking tea with Warm and discussing the surrender of his army. He's asking if they have medical supplies and food, and Warm is getting very upset and orders Obi-Wan to order his troops to stand down. Back at the shield generator, Ahsoka destroys the shield generator, and then the shield comes down, and Obi-Wan takes Warm hostage. The clones fire on the tank column and repel the droid army. And right at this moment, reinforcements from Yularen show up and the blockade has been disrupted. So a lot happens in a very short period of time here. It's good storytelling, but it's economy of storytelling as well. Mm-hmm. So the, the tide of the battle turns immediately. Um, and Worm looks like a fool because he trusted Obi-Wan. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I want to like the scene with Obi-Wan pretending to like drink tea with Worm, but the juxtaposition of him drinking the tea with like the clones getting slaughtered is pretty hard to swallow. Yeah, no, I agree. It's, it's a little weird, but they're playing it for, I guess, for the comedy aspect of it or... It's definitely a comedic moment, right? And, the, mm-hmm. and you wouldn't have such a stark juxtaposition if you weren't trying to play it up. It, it turns out, though, so they win. Yoda shows up. Anakin tells Ahsoka she's reckless and wouldn't have been a good Padawan for Obi-Wan. But maybe she would be a good one for him. They're picked up on a transport. Rex tells Anakin and Ahsoka that they did a good job, right? So this is... I think you had a quote... 
not too long uh, on one of the previous episodes recently where you said she's been my friend from the Battle of Christophsis to the Siege of Mandalore. Mm-hmm. This is the establishment of that friendship. Yeah. Anakin and, and Ahsoka talk to Obi-Wan and Yoda. Yoda says if Anakin's not ready for a Padawan, then Obi-Wan can take the student. And Anakin says, no, no, I'll, she can stay with me. Yoda tells Anakin that he and Ahsoka have to go to the Teth system to rescue Jabba's child, Rhoda, while Obi-Wan negotiates with Jabba for a treaty. Anakin does not want to help Jabba. This is a theme that we're going to talk a lot about, I think, next time. But this whole mission puts puts Anakin in the service of the Huts. Yeah. And our Phantom Menace, History of Anakin stuff he was owned by a hut at one point gardula right he gardula the hut lost he and his mother in a card game or in a game of chance or something Mm -hmm. however you put it so he was a slave to a hut and so he is not happy about this at all and it gets rough it gets really bad (laughs) in this in this movie like shockingly bad Obi-Wan has this nice exchange with Yoda saying he's worried about Anakin taking Ahsoka as a Padawan. Yoda says he's ready to teach, but not ready, not ready to let go. Yeah. I think this is a wonderful read on Anakin. Yeah. Here, hold on. I have it here. Let's just hope Anakin is ready for this responsibility. Ready he is to teach an apprentice, to let go of his pupil. A greater challenge it will be. Master this. Skywalker mess. Yeah, so it's very. I think they. I think Yoda definitely. He may not know about Padme, but he knows that he's he he forms attachments like, and he needs to be able to to be to be a good Jedi or to. He's got to be able to let go of the things he's attached to. Let's go back to Phantom Menace again, right? Mm-hmm. Yoda Yoda did not want Anakin to join the Order. And his primary reason was his, Anakin's attachment to his mother. He knows that Anakin... They didn't get Anakin early enough to brainwash him into thinking that loving other people is a bad thing. Yeah. And I'm, being, I'm being glib about this, but the Jedi... I, don't, I do not agree with the Jedi philosophy. No, no, I don't, I don't either. But I'm, I, I'm being a little glib, but this is a good read on Anakin, right? Like, there's... I don't agree with the philosophy, but there's a moment in, I want to say it's the Attack of the Clones, or maybe maybe it's Revenge of the Sith, where Anakin goes to Yoda for advice, and Yoda's advice is, let go what you fear to lose, and you'll be free. And it's good advice if you have faith in your system. Mm-hmm. But Anakin didn't have faith in his system, and he tried to basically control the future and created a self-fulfilling prophecy for himself. Yeah, and this is a wonderful read on Anakin's state of mind that he's good enough to teach. He's he needs to learn when it's time to let go, and we'll see this later in the series where. Ahsoka, spoiler alert, Ahsoka leaves the order and Anakin does not handle it well. Yeah. And so I love that this is established this early by Yoda saying, like, we have to we have to see this all the way through because he's not 
he's not ready for this. And this is the challenge that Yoda gives him. And this comes up in Master and Apprentice where Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan are paired as Master and Apprentice. And they realize later that Yoda was manipulating them the entire time. Trying to get Obi-Wan to be less rigid by pairing him with someone who's who would draw that out of him. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, well, the... Sorry. The the last uh, High Republic book, one of the one of the Jedi Masters, I think it was Cantum uh, Sai, he actually has to learn to let go of his pupil. Like, he's so worried about his pupil, or his... Uh, sorry, not his pupil, his former apprentice... Yeah, that he's not that he's not like really there for where he you know needs to be with the problem that they're having right then and there on the on the planet that they're on, and he he needs to learn to let go of like maybe she's alive, maybe she's dead, but I can't I can't do anything about it. I've, I can't I can't worry about her. I've got a I've got a job to do here. Right, Yoda drop focus on where you are right like never mm-hmm. focused on where you are always looking off to the future mm-hmm. like it is it is not a bad piece of their philosophy I have a lot of issues with the Jedi philosophy but it's not a bad piece of their philosophy to be present yeah and what they're doing alright so just to, to round out my part this section of the movie ends with Obi-Wan going to talk to Jabba and Anakin and Ahsoka off to Teth. Yep. I do want to, before we transition to you, I just want to say, like, this movie is basically five episodes of the show strung, strung together. And so we're, we're going to do probably three and a half of them today. But any comments there? No, no, that's... All right, so take it right. over. Okay. So on Tatooine, uh, Jabba's bounty hunters are returned as heads on a platter. There's, like, a Gran, a Rodian, a Nikto, and... Think what looks like a, a droid, at the like like one of those like AB units. Yeah, there's also there's also like there's like a teardrop head alien. I don't know what they're called, but I'd like to remind everybody this is a movie geared towards children, <laughs> and there's like literally like five heads brought in on platters. Yeah, <laughs> on a, on like a big stretcher on that yeah. like a big stretcher. Yeah, so Jabba is uh, clearly upset and contacts. Palpatine. He asks Palpatine why the Jedi aren't helping him, and Jada threatens the Republic. So in the Teth system, the scouts give Anakin an update on the fortifications. Anakin finds Ahsoka telling battle stories about how they brought the shield down. So she's already kind of like she's already making friends with the troops. Obi-Wan arrives at Tatooine and heads to meet Jabba. Jabba's protocol droid comes out with some Nikto guards. Now thing I forgot to mention before, his protocol droid looks like is a it's like a C three PL version, but he's painted kind of like a traffic cone sort of. He's got like these weird like angular like paint patterns. Do you know what it, kind of like 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 arrows? Yeah, I I meant to look up the name of that droid because we actually have that figure, but I can't remember the name of it. But he he he's got this really cool paint scheme on him, and I'm I've I've often wondered if in Return of the Jedi where they say we've killed our last protocol droid. Was that him? Was it him? Yeah. Just the one? Yeah. <laughs> All right. 
And so they take Obi-Wan inside while Jabba's are surveying his craft. So knowing what we know about Jabba's, you got to wonder if uh, there's going to be anything left of that. So Obi-Wan discusses the plan with Jabba. Jabba says he wants the kidnapper brought to him dead or alive. Now back on Teth, dropships are taking walkers and troops to the surface. Jabba has given them one day to recover his son. Now the monastery is kind of like on the top of a cliff. Now it's... I don't know what you would call this. Like, is it a cliff? Like, it reminds me a lot of what you could see in, like, uh, Utah. Like, where there's just a big rock formation that just, like, it just goes straight up. Kind of like the Devil's Tower. Yeah, it's like a vertical column of rock. I don't know what it's called. Mm -hmm. I'm not a a geologist. But it's, it's, a cliff is an inadequate description, right? It's basically, like, a very narrow plateau where the monastery is placed on top of it. And there's no way to access it except going straight up the, the, the face of it. It is a wildly good position to shoot at your enemies. Yeah. This whole, this whole like, bringing this army in is a wonderful shot as well. This is something that the cartoons have done great, and I think we talked about it when we did the Tartabosky series. Just the, the sheer number of troops they're landing is impressive. Yeah. You couldn't do it outside of a cartoon. Yeah, and I'll get to it in a middle minute. But there, there. Okay, so there are two battalions of droids guarding the facilities. Now, there's some banter between Anakin and Ahsoka. The droids eventually open fire on the ships, and then the clones empty out into the field below the monastery. And they approach the cliff and start climbing straight up the cliff face. Now, this has got to be one of the better battles in the whole series. It is it's wild. It's because especially you've got the the AT ATCs like apparently they can walk like up walls. <laughs> they can grip. They can grip the rock face. This whole I agree. This whole battle is. I mean, I told you before we started recording. I've been reading criticism of this movie, and then I watch it and I'm like, this battle is incredible. Like, you don't get anything like this in a Star Wars movie or anywhere else in the series. And, like, this five-minute sequence... This this five-minute sequence is incredible. It happens, like, four times in this movie. Mm-hmm. Where you, you keep getting these incredible battles. And, and something you've never seen before. Like, these walkers literally, like, hand over hand crawling up this cliff face. Yeah. And, like, the cool... Like, at one point, like... Uh... Ahsoka is riding one of them and like they they're being fired upon and like the the front legs come come unattached and so it it flexes kind of like a beetle and it's just like it's got it's it's partially attached and it looks like it's about to fall over and with some great sound effects you can just hear it just being like they're the the whatever engines or motors are engaged and it brings it right back onto the cliff. So like it looks like it's about to fall off. And it's like bent, it's like bending over backwards, about to fall off, and then it just bends right back, gets on yeah, the cliff like, face, and keeps going. It's like the front two legs are detached, and like the pivot on on the neck is like falling backward, like in slow motion. And then they dig in harder, and then do like a crunch, like the whole thing like does like a crunch and sticks back into the wall. And, like, the whole thing with her on the windshield, like, deflecting the bolts, it's, like, 
all of it's perfect. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so got a little ahead of myself, but you know, so Anakin and Ahsoka are racing to the top. Ahsoka is um, riding the walker while Anakin rides a uh, stap, which we talked about earlier. It's just kind of like the little hover bikes, I, I guess. It's like a Segway for a B1. Yeah, yeah, he, he stole it from a battle droid. Then he uses a fly up the cliff face, and he reaches the top and wipes out a droid. Uh, Droidicas show up. Anakin says that he told Soka to stay close when she destroys him them all with the tank, which is kind of like, again, just more like friendly banter because uh, he won, but then she showed up with the the AT ATC with the the heavy firepower. Yeah, it's it's just another funny shorthand for establishing their relationship. He they're racing to the top. He wins. He does the hero thing, like the Superman thing, and wipes out the army. But then he's immediately faced with a worse foe, and he goes to blame her for not being there to help him. Mm-hmm. But she's there. Yeah. It's fu- it's funny, right? It's comedy. Yeah. Now it goes to Ventress. Uh, she tells a protocol droid that it's his turn. So the clones, Anakin and Ahsoka, enter the temple. Now it's called a Bamar Monastery. The protocol droid approaches them and says that he's the keeper of the monastery. Ventress, do you know what? Do you know what the Bomars are? No, the Bummers. The Bomar. The the Bomars are those spider droids that you see in Jabba's palace. Oh. They have like the brains in a jar that are oh, where the. That's right. And uh, there's a whole there's a shit ton written about Bomar monks, but uh, I I love the concept because. They're, they're basically a, a monastic order who put their brains inside droids so they can live forever. And the droids they chose were the the robot droids, the spider robot droids. Yeah. Wouldn't I love be, them. Wouldn't be my first choice, but hey, whatever. I'm just not... Uh, Get to live bo- forever. Yeah, I'm just not Bomar material. Ventures enters uh, a room with super battle droids. She reports that Anakin has taken the monastery to Dooku, and he says he needs the data. We should we should note that at this point it's obvious that Ventress is on Teth. Yes. Inside inside the monastery. Monastery. We didn't know that before. Yeah. Originally. But, uh, yeah. Originally, the 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 announcer at the beginning said that it was kind of like rival forces had taken over, had uh, stolen Jabba's son. But it's it's not rival gangsters or anything. It's it's actually Ventress. So Anakin and Ahsoka head to the dungeon, and they're being stalked by droids. This is very much similar to the previous episode we talked about, where they like Anakin and Obi Wan are just riding speeder bikes, and they just they notice that they're being that there's tons of Led droids. Into a trap. Yeah, and they're just like, oh, we'll just keep going. So in this case, she, Ahsoka's like, there's all these droids, and Anakin's like, well, do do something about it if you want to. So she goes ahead and destroys some of the droids, and then they find the baby hut. On Tatooine, Obi-Wan flies off, and we see Doku standing nearby. Doku goes into Jabba's palace, and he tells Jabba that the Jedi have kidnapped Jabba's son. Doku says the Jedi are trying to destroy him, and Jabba asks for proof, and... Sorry, Doku says that he will prove it. This was... This and the upcoming part just seems one of those things that only happen in sitcoms, or just very, just like, people just like not understanding the situation 
I was I was heavily triggered by all of this Dooku shit. I hate I hate everything Dooku's doing. I know I know why he's doing it, but I, I found it to be incredibly upset upsetting that Jabba was accepting Dooku's endless conspiracy theories with no evidence and Dooku was the perpetrator of the conspiracy all along. Mm-hmm. It is not to make it too topical, but it is too practical for what happens what's happened in the past couple of years in our own society where everyone's like like, oh this is a conspiracy. And we're like, no, you're the conspiracy dipshits <laughs> like you are the conspiracy not the other way around do you not understand how you're a tool right now for people who want to seize power like you were a moron and job is just completely he's not using any credulity at all yeah like dooku said, said like could say like oh anakin skywalker invented peanut allergies to kill your son yeah and he would buy it <laughs> you know, it's like there's nothing, there's nothing he wouldn't believe from Dooku at this point. It's so frustrating, and yeah. I hate it. I'm yeah. so frustrated. Yeah, it's definitely you know, just something that just keeps the plot going. It's like how like in every rom com, there has to be some sort of some sort of misunderstanding that leads to the couple breaking up, and then before you know, they eventually all they get back together, and everybody lives happily ever after. That's something that could just be like, like, oh, you saw me kissing my ex? Well, technically she was just giving me a hug and a kiss goodbye after I told her that I don't want to see her anymore. It's a very, the, the, whole, the whole misunderstanding trope, it just gets, I don't know, kind of tiring. But we're talking about a... It's, it's a contrivance, for yeah. sure. But the contrivance that they're using here is that a charismatic political figure is convincing another powerful person who's roughly just like 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 a business person ostensibly to support them politically because it is convenient mm-hmm. and and that whole that whole process is very disturbing to me right now for obvious reasons yeah if you know if you know me yeah it's like like you don't you don't get your own version of reality that's not what's happening right you you if you think you're like the master of biology and science you are not you are a slave to it and you don't get to have your own reality that show that demonstrates where you you're not subject to those forces mm-hmm and this is what's exactly happening. He's like, he's like, I kidnapped your son, but I'm actually going to give you footage of people rescuing your son and make you believe it's footage of them kidnapping your son. Now I'm going to kill your son and say they did it. Yeah, it's wild. Like how, it, like, there's no credulity from Jabba in this argument. But we'll get there. Yeah. Sorry. All right. No, sorry. Certain things got to take uh, the grain of salt because it is sort of children's cartoon whatever or children at heart children's so, cartoon about kid kidnapping and murdering a child yes <laughs> yes okay so back on teth ahsoka and anakin carry out jabba's son ahsoka thinks the baby hut is sick they decide to take to the back of the ship ventress transmits a video of anakin saying that he hates huts 
while they load the baby hut into a backpack. Dooku tells Ventress to grab the hutling and bring him to Tatooine. And Doku... <clears throat> why do I keep on saying Do Doku? Yeah, why are you saying Doku? <laughs> <laughs> you think this is Sudoku? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Dooku uses the video to convince Java that the Jedi are manipulating him, which... What we just talked about seems like, huh, all right. It's not. It's not a good scene if you're rescuing a hut to say, "I hate huts." Just leave your racism, yeah, at home, everybody. Just don't be racist, and if you are racist, shut the fuck up about it. Yeah, but it's like, you know, it's like how how many times is like, is there like gotcha moments for some politician where they say you see an ad for a local, you're, 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 some local politician. And they say something that sounds awful, but that's just because they cut it from the brief like uh, video. Like if you watch the whole video, then you're like, oh yeah, it totally makes sense. So that's why you should like never say any racial slurs ever, because somebody could just take that little thing and just be like, oh, you said you said this. Like, well, I was actually saying how saying that is bad, but yeah. Okay, never mind. This, this is no, this isn't an, an instance where where Anakin was telling a loving story about the owner of the Vietnamese grocery store that gave him a job and how he stuck up for that person when some racist came in. He like literally says something racist and he gets called on it. He just shouldn't have said it. All your, right. Your job is as a Jedi. Like you're a Jedi, your job is to recover this child. Who gives a shit? Yeah. Just get the Get the goddamn kid and get him back home. Your editorializing is just making you look bad. Yeah. Not you, Anakin. <laughs> I'm an Anakin, Anakin, a racist apologist. Anakin updates Obi Wan when a droid army starts to land. They have to protect the hut, or Jabba will never help the Republic. The droid army quickly makes the Jedi fall back, and they're trapped in the monastery. They decide to wait for reinforcements. And uh, Ahsoka says that they need to get the hut out of there because uh, he's sick and convinces Anakin not to just wait around but to evacuate with the baby hut. R2-D2 searches for a ship that they can use and Ahsoka and Anakin have a you know brief heart-to-heart. I love I love this the hut is actually sick thing. Mm-hmm. It, it feels like piling on. I'm, sh- I'm sure some people would say it's piling on. But it actually it's actually called action. And it's a call to action that's desperately needed in this episode. Because when they're like, they get sealed in the monastery, and Anakin's like, I guess we'll just wait it out here. Yeah, let's get a deck of cards and place a box. That's a terrible plan. It's a terrible plan. Because, one, it doesn't work. We'll see in a few minutes. But also, like, is that really your plan? You're going to wait for people to come help you? Like, they they need this extra bit of stakes to move the plot along here mm-hmm. because it is it is logical to wait for help they need a situation that pushes them further and the fact that the hut is sick and they can't let the hut die in their care is meaningful enough to to push them forward and i think we get a lot of great action because they're pushing they're pushed by this plot point mm-hmm. yeah i agree okay so the droids begin a new assault and R2 finds a backdoor uh, landing platform, and uh, they, they plan to call for a gun, gunship. Rex attacks Ventress, and she chokes him, and she uses the mind control trick to have Rex call Anakin. Anakin figures out that it, it's Ventress controlling him because he 
uses his, uh, Anakin's first name instead of uh, calling him General. Republic reinforcements, which is actually interesting to show that like Rex is, has mental fortitude that many of them don't, because at the very end, spoiler alert, like he doesn't execute Order 66 right away. He's just kind of like come to terms with it or, I don't know, stop it a little bit before he goes fully under the influence of it, but he's able to hold off briefly. And so... We uh, don't we don't see many interactions of clones and Jedis where, or Sith users where they're using the mind trick on them. I like, I like that Rex resists a little bit here and uses diction to the point where Anakin can parse that he's not in control of himself. We see Maul use it against a clone on Mandalore at the very end of the series, and it works. Mm-hmm. Right? The clone is like racked with guilt because he betrayed everybody under the thrall of Maul. Um, let's keep an eye open to see if there's any other interactions like mind control used on on clones other than the chips because mm-hmm. I think we'll see we'll see if Rex stands up later. I don't I don't recall another instance though. So, uh, Republic reinforcements arrive and fighters are dispatched on the surface. Now, droid fighters are launched to intercept. Anakin calls Obi-Wan for a pickup, but the transmissions are jammed. Anakin calls Rex, who is a prisoner, but Rex breaks free and gets pinned down. Ahsoka argues that they need to get off planet and not help Rex. Anakin overrules her and, and they go help Rex, but they are cut off by Ventress. They slam the door and Ventress starts to cut through. They are trapped when the hut sees a ship on another landing platform a ways away. So Anakin jumps down onto a cancel, cancel, a which looks like kind of like a giant firefly. Ventress breaks through the door and fights Ahsoka before they escape on the cancel. The dogfight's going poorly, and a clone oddball is rescued by Obi Wan, and the ships are getting closer to the monastery. Ahsoka and and uh, Anakin get to the ship, and the protocol droid from the beginning is loading the ship. She realizes that he's working with the Separatists, and she destroys the droid, and they take control of the ship. Now, this ship is going to be... Go ahead. So, this ship will be seen, like, a lot throughout the series. It's kind of like Anakin's personal kind of junker. Does it show up again? Yeah. Oh, I I didn't realize, because... Well... That's that's a great poll because I didn't realize that that the ship the ship survives, but I'm glad it does. This whole this whole escape sequence where they're fighting a, a Ventress is incredible to me. Ventress uses her lightsabers to cut through a door. They end up riding these dragonfly things over to this other platform. It it just shows how improbable their abilities are and how they're not faced by each other. Yeah, it's yeah, really it... it's really amazing. Yeah, it's called the it's called the Twilight, and it's in not only the film, but one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Clone Wars episodes, and then something called Kenobi's Shadow, the Clone Wars stories of light and dark, which I am not familiar with that. It's probably one of the. It's probably one of the companion books. Oh no, that was the. Yeah, okay. I, I it I, it just kind of came and went, so I I forgot about it. It was the one. It was the one where they 
did like a book version of like some of the Clone Wars um, episodes. Oh right. Well, that's great news that 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 ship shows back up because they do have some issues with it, and I think we'll talk more about the ship next next time. But I'm super happy that you knew that and could point it out. Like that that is incredible to me that this ship shows up in. Was it 11 or 12 episodes? Yeah, I already forgot. <laughs> but, you know, it, it's very cool because it's very reminiscent of, like, B-Wings and, like, the, the like the those little, like, ski sleds that they have in Episode 8, where it's very, it's, it's very, like, even Lending Falcon, where it's just very, it's not a uh, symmetrical shape. It's, you've got the, the bulk of it, and you've got, like, one wing going to, on the right side, and then one wing kind of on the bottom it's a good it's a good description of the ship, right? It's like like a cockpit way off to one side, and then all of the controlling mechanisms are spread out in a really asymmetrical pattern. I really like the ship, actually. Mm-hmm. I was a little surprised when I looked up they didn't make a toy out of it, but they never did. Yeah, well, maybe you could be that person who three D prints three D prints. What's it called? The Twilight. The Twilight. The Twilight, which it actually is a. Corellian G9 Rigger class class light freighter. For those I'm of team, you, you, I'm know. Team Jacob, and I hate those movies. All right. Okay, it took me a little bit to figure that out because I'm not a loser. All right. Yeah. Oh, I make the differ. <laughs> <laughs> I just described a fictional spaceship. Yeah, I crossed the that, line that you didn't. I crossed that, the line that even you didn't know about. Okay, so Adventures reports. Okay, oh, sorry. So back to Obi-Wan. He's preparing for a ground assault. Rex's position is overwhelmed, and Obi-Wan drops into the battle to kill droids, and then ships attack the ground position. Rex reports that Skywalker is still in the castle. Obi-Wan goes to find him. Back to Ventress. She's reporting to Dooku that Skywalker has the hut, and Dooku threatens her. Obi-Wan walks in on Ventress, and she sends some super battle droids after him. As usual, she flees. Obi-Wan pursues. This is a real badass moment for Obi-Wan. He is not phased by these droids at all. Mm-hmm. He he deflects a couple bolts, cuts them in half, and he's literally walking at a leisurely pace to pursue her. It is very much like, oh, you're behind this? Let's do this. Yeah. Like, like we're gonna fuck, we're gonna fuck shit up. Mm-hmm. Like, like, and and you're you're not good enough sort of thing. He's He has zero fear, zero hesitation here. It is really good. Ahsoka and Anakin are trying to get the, the Twilight to work. After some troubleshooting, they're able to take off. Anakin wants to go back to Rex to help out, but Ahsoka convinces him to go to the cruiser to help the hut. He reports to Rex that he's not coming to help after all. Rex continues the fight. Back to Obi-Wan, he's taunting Ventress as usual, and she strikes. She knocks his lightsaber away, but he recovers it, and they continue the duel. Anakin is trying to pilot the cargo ship in the space battle surrounded by fighters. Anakin identifies himself and requests permission to board. Uh, They are under attack from uh, droid fighters. Yularen orders the main hangar open, and Anakin heads towards the hangar when a droid fighter crashes into the ship and the cruiser is damaged. Anakin says they'll have to fly the ship they stole to Tatooine themselves. This is a very... 
the whole space battle. It's one of these things where it's so chaotic, and if you're not paying attention, it's hard to know what's going on. But if you do invest that little bit of time, the battle actually makes a lot of sense. And this droid, this, I think they're called hyena fighters or something. Yeah. It crashes into, the second the shield goes down, it goes in and ruins this this landing bay. And it, it prevents any access to this ship. It is brilliant. The brilliant use of droids. Because mm-hmm. who gives a shit, right? They're not even alive. Yeah. Right? It's like this weird... Like almost like kamikaze philosophy about like just cause damage, right? Yeah, exactly. Maximum damage, disable the enemy, and and they have to take this junker called Twilight to tattooing themselves. Mm-hmm. And then closing out, Anakin takes the ship into hyperspace. Ventress knows that she's lost the hut. Ventress and Obi Wan continue to fight. And Ventress is upset and losing the fight, and then she escapes on top of a droid fighter. Yeah, Obi Wan bats one of her lightsabers away, and she's got she's got sort of this. The action figure for Ventress has these two interlocking lightsabers that looks like a double bladed like Maul lightsaber, but they detach. And in this fight, he cuts them in half, and she loses one of them, and then she jumps down and flies away on this droid. Yeah. It's a good fight. Yeah. Yeah, so that's... Okay, this is where we're breaking, right? Yep, so we'll break here, because this is a little bit past halfway. It's like three-fifths of the way through, I guess. We're already at a pretty long recording. For us, we we don't want to go too far over the hour for everybody, but next week we'll return with sort of the the last 40% of the plot, as well as discussion about the movie itself the box office returns and and the critical review of it but just for our own process we don't have to do the whole unless you really want to do the whole rating thing but i do want to know your opinion about the first half of this movie i i like it it's great i could i could understand like um not knowing it in the um the context of like how the clone wars tv show is set up that like all of a sudden seeing this, I might be kind of confused and be like, eh, this, I don't think I like this, or this is not exactly what I expected. But knowing what I know, that it's actually just a bunch of them just kind of welded together and turned into a movie, I think I think it's great. The battle sequencers are you know incredible. The getting in a little bit into the the jedi i don't say lore but just like how the the jedi philosophy i think that's that's great and just of course bringing ahsoka in as kind of the kind of the stand-in for the younger audience you know exactly i think it's i think it's just great overall i think i think what we've seen so far is is a wrap-up of a of the christophsis arc and the establishment of this Java arc and Rota arc, which, spoiler alert, I, anything you put, you put a hut in anything, I'll like it more. <laughs> I said, I said this in our Book of Boba Fett wrap up. I was like, the when the twin showed up, I was like, oh yeah, hell yes, like more huts, please. So this explains why you get so upset when Anakin was racist towards a hut. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> like fuck him. 
Like, <laughs> don't don't disrespect the Huts. But the the whole like you get Ahsoka, right? Who's one of who becomes one of the best loved Star Wars characters. This is her introduction, and the people look back at this and still shit on this movie. Like, fifteen years later, twelve years later, fourteen years later, it's crazy. It's like this is not a bad piece of Star Wars. Mm-hmm. I'm close. I've seen bad Star Wars, right? Like we've read some terrible novels and watched some terrible cartoons together. This isn't even close to bad Star Wars, in my opinion. We're stopping here when it's all unresolved. And this baby HUD is sick and on a weird ship in hyperspace. These battles are unresolved, but but as far as episodes of Clone Wars, like this is probably one of the most important arcs in the mm-hmm. whole series. And yeah, there's super silliness to it. We I, I left out things like how Jabba calls Rhoda his muffin. Yeah. Punky, stupid, punky muffin, isn't it? Punky muffin, yeah. Some stupid shit like that. Like, I get why people don't like those things, but it's like, we didn't record an episode about this, but, but the Kenobi trailer has come out. And the vast majority of discourse about the Kenobi trailer is either it's amazing or I don't like the shape of the Grand Inquisitor's head. This isn't the kind of stuff I get excited about. You can't make me upset that there's a odd thing in Star Wars. Like, there's plenty of fans that if this came out today would say Jabba called Rhoda his punky muffin, it ruined the movie. So, I mean, if it came out today, people would be upset that a major character was introduced as Anakin's Padawan, a adolescent female Togruta. So people just, A, find a reason to complain cause for the sake of complaining, or they get into that weird, like, not, we're not being represented uh, crap, which is like, yeah, no, this is this is Star Wars. Star Wars has always been like this. What what fucking crack are you smoking? So people, yeah, would, they're just sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, You're just cutting people, it out a little. Sorry, people would just find a reason to shit on something like and anything that we could we could do this for pretty much any Star Wars that came out prior to a couple of years ago people would like prior to prior to the disney buyout let's just say that they would complain about everything they would complain about lando they're like oh they have to put in lando whatever it's like he's a great character or just people just complain complaining about the gender or races of people's like who gives a flying you're missing the point if that's what you're arguing about you're missing the point of your arguing about artistic choices. You're missing the point of your arguing about races and genders of characters. That's not the point, right? The point is, it, like, not to bring in something from the other series, but it's idic, right? It's infinite diversity and infinite combinations. It's, it's that you you live in a galaxy where there's hundreds of sentient species, all 
coexisting and and figuring out like you can interbreed in this galaxy like there's half human half twilights right Mm -hmm. we know that and and if you go by the books which i know people don't there's dozens of genders and for certain aliens and, and things like that and from a biological point of view it's not that far-fetched and from a story point of view it's not that unreasonable mm-hmm. but if you're going to focus on if you focus on things that you find personally insulting you're going to miss the point of the whole fucking thing like the point is that that Anakin has an apprentice there were articles written I told you I've been doing research on this like there were articles written back in 2008 saying like like you can introduce Ahsoka as an apprentice but she has to die at order 66 otherwise it makes no sense you have a continuity error I I will freely admit that I was not like I I was really ambivalent about watching this movie watching the series for a long time and then I started watching it tail end and I was like why didn't I watch this is so and it's just being stuck up they're like yeah, I think we're both original trilogy brats right and so the prequel trilogy like you and I you and I have had lots of conversations about how the prequel trilogy let us down but but I think we've we've with this material with other material we've sort of come around a little bit on like the story they wanted to tell and maybe it was not effective as we wanted it to be but the overall story is good mm-hmm. and this series does a ton of heavy lifting for that story oh yeah I mean they could very well do that for because people now are complaining about the sequel trilogy because yeah I liked it did it have its faults yeah you bet I mean, like there are people who just want Disney to like completely recon it. It's like, they're not going to do that. Don't be stupid. But they could easily create a Clone Wars-esque sort of like show or like like books or movies, whatever, that would just fill everything in and it would just make it you could look at it again and be like, oh yeah, it's not, yeah, that was still that didn't quite make a whole lot of sense, but oh well, they, they explained it in that one book. So, no biggie. Instead of just like raging over why something doesn't make 100% sense right away. Yeah, and that's not the kind of fan that I want to be. I don't want to be the fan that says, like, like I don't know how Palpatine returned, so I'm going to go online and shit about Star Wars when the supposed sequel trilogy everybody wanted had clones of Luke all up and down all over <laughs> it. Yeah. It's like, 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 what exactly is our ethics here? We have no fucking ethics because we just wanted this. We just didn't want what happened to happen. Yeah, and plus to go along with that, like, those books were already written. People would already be knowing what happened. Why, why would they do that? We can have this conversation at a later time too, but they're basically setting it up, right? Thrawn is still out there. We now have Luke, and we have Luke. We have all the characters for an heir to the empire story and it wouldn't be that far-fetched to make an heir of the empire story mm-hmm. in, can- in canon right now because you have you put all the pieces on the board and and you still might get that story but in like a tv disney plus miniseries format 
through like an Ahsoka or a Sabine or an Ezra show or Thrawn show. Like it, it can happen. And those books, by the way, like I've been going back and reading a lot of Legends shit. Those books are barely about Thrawn. It's mostly about Leia and Han and their kids. Like that shit is not about Thrawn. He's a major protagonist in there, an antagonist in there. But anyway, well, I'm I'm not going to rant about issues that I have with heir heir to the Empire right now. We'll do that on some other episode. <laughs> yeah, um, I think we're both on board with the first sixty percent of this movie. We're going to do the other forty percent, and we'll do our, all of our trappings around it next time. I'll go over the. The production, the box office, the reaction, the reviews, the cast, and then we'll do our, our actual rating. But right now we're both out of sync with fandom on this one. We think this is a very good piece of Star Wars. Am I speaking out of turn? No, no, you're not. Not at all. All right. Do you want to take us out? Okay, so that's a wrap-up for the first part of the Clone Wars movie. We'll be back next week with the last part and then our rankings as well as talking about some of the history behind the movie. So, in the meantime, be sure to give us a high rating on the podcast aggregator of your choice that you found us on. For whatever reason, they only like five stars, so please give us that. Tell a friend if you liked the episode. If you didn't like it, tell somebody you hate, because fuck them. So, we'll be back next week with the rest of the Clone Wars movie. Thank you for downloading and listening to this episode. We would also like to thank Jordan White for the use of his cover of Yub Nub as our intro and outro music. Please refer to the show notes for photos, clips, and links from this episode. Side effects from listening to Yubcast may include dizziness, dry mouth, a sense of confusion, and decreased sex drive. Serious side effects may include speaking in Ewok, speculating the origins of prequel characters, and wondering why two grown men discuss children's cartoons on the internet. For a complete list of side effects or to complain about the show, please visit us on Twitter at Yubcast or drop us an email at noochbaderproductions at gmail.com. Thanks again. We will see you again next week with a new episode. Yubcast is not affiliated with Lucasfilm or the Walt Disney Company. Star Wars, its characters, and creations are the property of Lucasfilm and its parent company, the Walt Disney Company. Yubcast is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. Dun, 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 dun,